Friends, before I jump into today's episode, I wanted to tell you about a new guided journal from Sarah Powers, my friend and co-host at the Mom Hour podcast, and myself. It's called the Mother's Gratitude Journal, an easy guide to capturing everyday joys and milestone moments. And it's a beautifully designed journal with easy and fun prompts for moms at every stage of parenting who want to capture what this moment of their lives are like and maybe reframe some of the more difficult parts so they can find the joy amid all that chaos. So Sarah and I know that traditional Dear Diary style journaling can be overwhelming or just not that interesting when every day seems just like the one before. And this journal is the answer. No overthinking, just grab it, open to a prompt, and quickly record your thoughts and memories. The journal came out on March 5th, so this is a great time to grab a few copies to have on hand for baby showers, Mother's Day gifts, and of course, one for yourself. Just go to themomhour.com journal to find some links, or you can look at your local independent bookstore or wherever you buy books. Again, that's the Mother's Gratitude Journal, an easy guide to capturing everyday joys and milestone moments. What could be cozier than a holiday crafting session? Pretty much nothing, but that doesn't mean I get around to it every year. I love the idea of making holiday gifts and decor, but I also have a tendency to spend too much time overthinking or just watching other people doing projects on Instagram, and then I don't actually get around to making anything myself. But to me, the opportunity to slow down and make something with my hands is one of the best parts of the holiday when I'm intentional about doing it. And creating space for those activities is definitely in line with the slower lifestyle I'm trying to cultivate. So this year, I made a point of setting aside time for making, and it's been really rewarding so far. In today's episode, I'm going to share four simple projects that you could still squeeze into your holiday season. Most of these projects only take a couple of hours or less of hands-on time, and the ingredients can easily be found online or at your local grocery or craft store. So fill your cup and settle in for a holiday crafting sesh with me in this episode of the Teas Made podcast. Hi friends, you're listening to the Teas Made and I'm so glad you're here. I'm Megan Francis, a writer, mom of five, and a lover of books, walks in the forest, cozy blankets, and of course, steaming cups of tea. This podcast is your chance to step out of the busyness of everyday life, find some calm and connection with cozy conversations about everything from natural wellness and self-care to creating comforting rituals and routines in your home and family life. And of course, we'll talk a little bit about beverages as well, including my very favorite beverage, tea. So take a moment to pour a cup of your favorite drink and pull up a chair. The tea's made and I'm so glad you're here with me. Okay, friends, in just a moment, I'm going to dive into the projects I'm sharing today. But first, I wanted to let you know what I'm drinking today. Today's tea is Celebration from Harney and Sons. It's a black tea blend with hazelnut, apricot, and cinnamon flavoring. It's really tasty, and it's perfect for this time of year. It's festive, but it's not so holiday-oriented that you won't want it after December 25th. Just a really nice seasonal tea that's warming and mellow to drink anytime this winter. Like other Harney and Sons teas, it comes in a really pretty tin that would make a great gift. I will link to it in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at theteasmade.com or just scroll down to the episode description in your podcast app. 
So the first project I want to talk about today is actually something I made years ago when I had lots of small children underfoot and had to do a lot of gifts for teachers and other people at their schools. And that is homemade vanilla extract. It makes a great gift and it's really pretty easy to make, especially in bulk. So you can just have a bunch of bottles lying around ready for gifting. You just need containers. Uh, Glass bottles work well. I've also seen people use mason jars. And two ingredients, vanilla beans. I used Madagascar vanilla beans and alcohol to infuse the vanilla in. Um, Vodka is good. You definitely want something plain with a high alcohol content. But keep in mind, it can be kind of cheap too, since this is just a flavoring. It's not meant to be consumed by the glass, not even the shot glass. Whole vanilla beans are really cool. They're long and they're kind of shaped like a dried up green bean. And then the way you make the extract is that you cut the vanilla bean in half the long way with scissors or a knife and then trim them down to make sure they fit in the jar or the bottle that you'll be using. When I made these years ago, the recipe I followed called for scraping the seeds out of the inside of the pod with a spoon and then putting it in a jar or a bottle along with the empty pods and covering the whole thing with vodka. The seeds are in sort of this like dark, sticky paste and scraping it out takes a while, but was really fun for the kids to do. Now, most of the recipes I'm seeing online today have you skip the scraping part altogether. You just put the halved beans in the jar or bottle and cover them with vodka. That's about five or six beans for a cup of vodka. So you'll use more or less depending on how big your jar or bottle is. So obviously that way is a lot easier, but I can't speak for the flavor. I will say that most of the recipes I see that don't call for scraping the insides of the pods say that you have to wait for a couple of months for the vanilla to be fully infused into the alcohol. And I think that maybe scraping the seeds actually speeds up that process. So that's something to keep in mind. When I gave this as a gift, I did put a use after date on the back. um, So the recipient knows to wait to use it. And I really just loved making these. I loved giving them away. It was the kind of gift that looked really pretty and it seemed like something that would be hard to do, but was actually so easy. So I'm actually putting it on my list to make some more vanilla extract for myself before I do my holiday baking this year. And I'll probably make some extra to give away as well. And just so you know, I will have links to tutorials and the different supplies I'm using and all that good stuff in the show notes for this episode. And that's at theteasemade.com. Okay, so this second project is something I finally got around to doing this year after thinking about it for literally years, maybe decades. And the project is that I made a dried citrus garland. This is another one of those things that's actually so simple, but I really overthought it. And then this year I saw a zillion tutorials and reels featuring dried citrus and thought, I just have to do this. So basically all you need is citrus fruit. I used oranges and grapefruit and a way to dry it and some twine and a needle. And that's about it. So what you're gonna wanna do is cut the fruit into really thin slices. If you're using a mandolin, it is a little easier to get the slices both thin and even, and you do want them to be fairly uniform so that they dry at around the same rate. I don't like using a mandolin, they kind of scare me. So I just used a knife and my slices were around a quarter inch thick and that was totally fine. They weren't all perfect. Some were a little thinner or a little thicker and that's fine too. I did have to shuffle them around a little bit more while they were drying just so they all dried at about the same rate, but it was no big deal. I ended up using about three medium sized navel oranges and two grapefruits and I had more than enough slices for a double garland for my mantelpiece and some left over to hang on the tree. And I also have some in a bag that I haven't decided what to do yet. So a little bit of fruit goes a long way. 
So there's two ways you can dry the fruit that I know of. One is to set the oven at a really low temperature. Uh, 200 degrees Fahrenheit is what I've seen all over the internet. Um, you place the slices on a single layer on a cookie sheet that you've lined with parchment paper. And depending on how thick the slices are and how hot your oven is, it can take between three and four hours to dry. Some people press out the extra juice with a paper towel to shorten this process. I didn't do that, but then I used a food dehydrator, so I wasn't really worried about trying to get it done quickly. Um, I was fine letting mine sit most of the day. If you are using the oven method, you do want to turn the slices every couple of hours so that they dry evenly. And if you have cooling racks, you can actually use those on top of a cookie sheet instead of parchment paper. And that'll help the hot air circulate so the fruit will dry faster and more evenly. One last thing on the oven method, I have seen some people advocate for a slightly cooler oven because it helps preserve the color of the citrus. If you have it hotter, it might turn a little bit darker or brownish. But if you have the time, you might want to turn it down a bit to 170 or 80. Definitely don't go hotter than 200. So we have a food dehydrator and that's what I used to dry my citrus. They were probably in there at least 12 hours. And I did baby my slices a bit. I moved the racks around in the dehydrator so they would all get a chance at being closer to the fan. Um, but I don't know that you need to do that. I just happened to be home and I could. Again, a lot of this will depend on the thickness of the slices and the power of your dehydrator. So whichever method you chose, just plan to keep kind of a casual eye on your citrus as it's drying. But I definitely don't think you need to be totally tuned into what's happening. This should be kind of an inactive or passive part of the process. And also keep in mind, this might be the kind of project that would be nice to spread out over a couple of days. I was getting really overwhelmed trying to think how to pull the whole thing together in one day. So I thought, well, the first thing I need is some dried fruit. So I dried my fruit on a Saturday, but then I didn't even go get the stuff to make the garland until Tuesday. And I think I ended up making it the next day on a Wednesday. So if you have the fruit and a little time now, just go ahead and dehydrate it and that'll buy you a little time to think through the rest. Also, just a note about food dehydrators. Eric had one before we got married. Um, he's used it a lot and I know you can get them pretty inexpensively. So I'll link up an inexpensive one in the show notes. They are kind of fun to have. So just something to keep in mind. Okay, so for making the garland itself, I strung it on some twine I bought in the craft section of Meyer, which is sort of like a Midwest specific cross between Walmart and Target. It's like the best way I can think to describe it. And then I used an embroidery needle to just poke a hole in each slice of orange or grapefruit. And then I just thread that slice onto the twine. I also had bought some gold paper in the craft section, just kind of on a whim. And I decided to cut that into little gold stars to intersperse with the citrus. So I went on Canva. I downloaded a picture of a star to use as a template and then cut out a whole bunch of little stars out of this gold paper. And then I was just going citrus slice star, citrus slice star. I actually had to start my garland three times because the first two times I couldn't figure out how to get the fruit slices and stars to stay spaced out the way I wanted them to. At first I tried putting knots between each slice on the string and that really didn't work. It also really didn't work well to just string them on and then try to adjust them later because I wanted the garland to hang down quite a bit. And so the gravity was just pulling everything toward the center. So what finally did work really well is I would thread the star or the citrus onto the twine. Then I'd loop back around like around the rind or back around the outside of the star. And then I'd go back through the same hole again and that helped to keep each piece in place, but it wasn't really tight. And I was able to still adjust it later after I hung it up. 
which was nice because I wanted to do a double strand. So I wanted the oranges on one string to line up with the stars on the string below. And that's just kind of hard to plan out ahead of time and eyeball it because you don't exactly know how low the string will hang once you've got gravity and things like that working against you. So it was really helpful to be able to adjust it afterward, which I wouldn't have been able to do if I had tied knots between the slices. That wouldn't have worked as well. And then for the leftover citrus slices, I just took one of those little extra hooks that you can buy in a package to hang Christmas ornaments and literally just poked them through each slice and hung them on the tree. I will have photos of all this so you can kind of see what I'm talking about in the show notes along with those supplies and tutorials. Again, that's at theteasemade.com where you can just scroll down in your podcast app to find the show notes for this post. But I think it really helps to have a visual to see what I'm talking about. Okay, friends, I got my pair of Uptown Loafers from our sponsor, Vionic, and I just had to tell you about them. They're cute and classic and really lightweight, and they do actually pack flat. I am definitely going to be taking these on all my spring travels, and I can see myself wearing them with everything from jeans and trousers to dresses and maybe a little later on shorts. I got them in camel leather, but they come in 12 different colors. The Uptown Loafer is part of the Vionic Vitals collection, which features some of their most versatile daily styles. And of course, you know you can count on your Vionics to be super comfortable, stable, and supportive. Use code TEASEMADE at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That code's good for a one-time use only at vionicshoes.com, and again, you're going to get 15% off your entire order. I'll also have a link to that offer on my shop page, and you can find that in the show notes. Again, the code is TEASEMADE, T-E-A-S-M-A-D-E, at vionicshoes.com. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, so the third project I'm going to share with you is a DIY beeswax wrap. I have been using beeswax wraps for a couple of years. I've been trying to cut down on my use of plastic and single use, you know, disposable items. And I really, really despise plastic wrap <laughs> a whole lot. So I got really excited when I found out about beeswax wraps a few years ago and have been thinking it would be really fun to make my own. I also have a thing for vintage linens, like vintage tea towels and things like that, especially the ones from like the 40s and 50s. And Eric bought me a whole bunch of them on eBay a few years ago. So I got this big stack of vintage tea towels and then I was like, okay, what am I going to do with these? I want to use them for some kind of project and have just been kind of holding on to them since. And then it occurred to me that they would make really great beeswax wraps because they're kind of thin, they're a good size, um, and they're so pretty to look at. So I just did this project yesterday. So I'm here with Fresh Intel. I have seen a few different methods for making these. One uses pine resin and jojoba oil and a double boiler. In the end, I went with a really simple method I found on a blog called Homestead and Chill. And you basically just need beeswax pastels. They're like these little pellets, parchment paper, the cloth itself, um, a cookie sheet and a paintbrush. And the way you do it is you cover a cookie sheet with parchment paper. You lay your fabric on the top. You sprinkle the beeswax pellets all over the fabric. Make sure you get some near the edges and you put it in the oven at about 200 degrees for five or 10 minutes or until the wax is completely melted and soaking into the cotton. Take it out of the oven. You use the paintbrush to spread the wax evenly all over the cotton. 
pick it up, wave it back and forth a few times. And after you've given it just a couple of seconds to start the cooling process, you can hang it up with clothespins to dry or find a place to drape it. I actually spread mine over an empty cardboard box I had lying around. I found that worked really well and that I didn't have to worry about beeswax getting everywhere. And I will say this is kind of a messy craft. I did have little beeswax splatters that escaped through the parchment paper and got onto my cookie sheet and a couple other things. So just keep that in mind. Okay, so after I made my wraps, I realized I had gone way overboard on the amount of wax. And I thought, oh, that's a bummer. Maybe I won't be able to use these. They were way too thick and hard. And then I thought, well, beeswax melts really easily, right? So the nice thing about this project is that the fact that it's made with beeswax that you can continue to melt means it's really forgiving if you didn't get quite enough wax. And you'll know that if it's like a little too thin and a little too pliable and doesn't really fold down or stick to the sides of your bowl, you can put it back in the oven and add a little more beeswax and wait for it to melt and then just start the process again. Or you can do it in reverse. So I put mine back in the oven gave it five to 10 minutes and then blotted it with a paper towel. And that really helped. Like it soaked up a lot of that excess beeswax. So that was my experience. I am curious if the recipe that uses jojoba oil or some other kind of oil might have made it a little more pliable. Mine feel very stiff, which I don't mind because I usually use mine just to cover the tops of bowls or containers of leftovers. I don't need it to be super pliable. I don't really use mine to like wrap up sandwiches or anything like that. But if you want yours to be a little more pliable, you might want to look at some other recipes and I will link those up in the show notes as well. But I'm just so glad I actually went ahead and made a few of these because now I feel like I know how to do it. And next time I won't have to overthink it quite so much. I'm going to keep one and give a couple away and probably will make more soon. Okay, friends, I got my pair of Uptown loafers from our sponsor, Vionic, and I just had to tell you about them. They're cute and classic and really lightweight, and they do actually pack flat. I am definitely going to be taking these on all my spring travels, and I can see myself wearing them with everything from jeans and trousers to dresses and maybe a little later on shorts. I got them in camel leather, but they come in 12 different colors. The Uptown Loafer is part of the Vionic Vitals collection, which features some of their most versatile daily styles. And of course, you know you can count on your Vionics to be super comfortable, stable, and supportive. Use code TEASMADE at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That code's good for a one-time use only at vionicshoes.com, and again, you're going to get 15% off your entire order. I'll also have a link to that offer on my shop page, and you can find that in the show notes. Again, the code is TEASMADE, T-E-A-S-M-A-D-E, at vionicshoes.com. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, so by now you've probably heard that stress is bad for your sleep and bad for your body, but did you know the effects of stress can show up on your skin too? Dullness, dryness, and a loss of firmness can all be signs of stressed or tired skin, and maybe you're noticing a little of that after the craziness of the holiday. That's why I'm so excited to share a brand new product from my partner and favorite skincare brand, Osea. It's their new Collagen Dream Night Cream, an overnight bioretinol moisturizer, and the first night cream that's been clinically proven to reduce the effects of stress on skin. Osea is a clean, vegan skincare brand, and this product leans on botanicals like blue-green microalgae, plant-derived collagen, wild lavender, and a super plant called King of Bitters 
to deliver real results that won't irritate your skin or add more chemicals you'd rather avoid. I have been using Collagen Dream for a few weeks, and now I won't even travel without it. It's a rich, hydrating cream that feels and smells wonderful going on, and within a few weeks of using it, I could already see improvements in my skin. To learn more about Collagen Dream and Osea's entire line of products, head to oseamalibu.com and be sure to use my code TEASEMADE at checkout for 10% off your order. Again, that's the code TEASEMADE at oseamalibu.com. And finally, I wanted to share one more thing I've been busy working on this holiday. This one's a little bit more involved, so I'm not going to give you actual directions in today's episode, but I'm going to share some ideas. So I started hand embroidering during the Christmas season in 2020 because I'd always wanted to learn how to embroider and just had never really made the time to dig in. That, of course, was our first pandemic Christmas, and I had a ton of time on my hands. So I finally said no more excuses, and I just got started. And that year I made so many projects. I made tea towels for lots of my family and friends, and it was so fun. And here's what I learned. You can do a lot of embroidery with very few skills. If you just learn a couple of simple stitches that you can learn on YouTube or in books or on blogs, that'll get you really far for one thing. And you really just need an embroidery needle, some fabric to stitch onto, a hoop to hold your fabric, and some embroidery thread, which is called floss. And you need a design to stitch, and that's about it. So for me, the hardest part by far when I was first getting started was literally just figuring out how to get the design that I had chosen onto the fabric I would be stitching on. So there are several methods you can use, and I've tried most of them, but this year I just wanted a really simple approach. So you can purchase fabric with the design already printed on, but then that's pretty limiting because you're stuck with that fabric and the design someone else chose and they have to go together. Another method I've really liked in the past is using iron-on designs. So you buy the design pre-made, but you choose your fabric, and then you just iron the design onto the fabric. And that's pretty easy too. But you do have to get out your iron and your ironing board. And you know, sometimes I'm just not feeling that either. So this year, I bought stick-on designs from a maker on Etsy. And these are designs that are printed on this water-soluble material that has adhesive on the back. So you can just stick them on your fabric. You stitch through the material. And then when you're all done, the material dissolves in water and it leaves just your stitching in the fabric. I'm doing monogrammed handkerchiefs this year and those little stickers have made it so easy. Now, by the time you listen to this, it might be kind of hard to get something shipped from an Etsy shop in time to make Christmas gifts, if that's your plan. So I'll also link to a couple similar options on Amazon. And another thing you could do is buy just the adhesive material and make your own designs. This is a little more time intensive, but it can be really fun. So here's how you could do that. You would print out a design. You could maybe make one on Canva or something like that. You trace it onto tracing paper. Then you put a piece of carbon transfer paper face down onto the adhesive material and your traced design on top of that. And then you trace firmly over the design so that the design transfers onto the material with that carbon paper. Then you just cut around the design, stick it to your fabric, and stitch it right onto your fabric. And then when you're all done, you just wash off that sticky material. 
So just remember that any design you transfer on like this will wind up reversed on the fabric. So if it's something like a letter where it would be then backward, you'd want to actually flip it so that it's reversed and then print out and trace that reversed version of it. That's easy to do in Canva as well. Now, if you're going to go this route, you could also just skip the adhesive material and transfer your design right onto the fabric. And I've done that lots too. I do think the sticker makes it a bit easier to control the placement and it also stabilizes the fabric as you're stitching, which is nice but it's not necessary. And again, I have transferred many traced designs directly to my fabric with great results. So it's up to you. By far, I think the easiest method is just to buy those pre-printed stickers. And so I'm gonna link all the stuff I talked about, including those stickers up in the show notes, along with some photos of my past projects. I'd also say if you have found yourself drawn to embroidery as an art, just jump in and stitch something. Find something really simple or even make your own really simple design. It's so easy to get caught up in all the different techniques and supplies, and that can be overwhelming. So just get started with something simple. And by Christmas, I promise you could have a finished project to give away, probably more than one. Okay, friends, I hope this conversation has inspired you to get making this holiday season maybe to make something as a gift, maybe just a fun creative project for yourself. And I'd also love to invite you to join my private community, The Tea Circle. We have multiple weekly co-create circles where we get together to work on projects, sometimes quietly, sometimes while we chat. And people bring all kinds of creative projects to these circles. Sometimes it's a piece of writing, sometimes it's knitting or stitching, or sometimes even something like organizing photos or making a to-do list. Really, it's anything you want to work on. And I know for myself, it has been so helpful to have those co-create circles on my calendar so that I'm making sure to set aside time and headspace for creating. You can find out more about the T-Circle by going to theteacircle.mn.co or just follow the links in the show notes for this episode. I hope to see you at a co-create circle very soon. And again, be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. I've got a lot of great stuff in there for you, and it'll be that much easier to just choose a project and jump in. That's all for this episode of The Teas Made. You can find links to the products and other things we talked about today in the show notes for this episode. You can find that by scrolling down below the episode in your podcast app, or you can go to theteasmade.com and find all the episodes, plus resources, links to my favorite teas and books and other products, a link to my private community for women, and so much more. I share new episodes every Thursday, so please follow or subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And while you're in your podcast app, I would love if you'd leave a rating or review. It really helps me out so much. Okay, friends, that's all for now. I will talk to you again very soon. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.